जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जय जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जय राधा गोपी जनाबला
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7. Canto 7. The Science of God. Chapter 6. Prahlad instructs his demoniac schoolmates. Text number. Text number. 25, isn't it? 25? Mm. <clears throat> I can't read the text very well, especially when I don't have my glasses on. Ah, that's better. But... The lighting is in here, it's not that good. You notice when Shankarshan Prabhu comes, he always gets his torch out and he shines it on the... Okay. Tushte chatatra kimalabhyam ananta ajay. Kim Tire Gunavi Atikara Dihaye Swasidha Dharma Dayaki Magunena Chakankshitena Sara 
ಚರಣಾಯೋಪಕಾಯಥಂ ಕಿಮಲಭ್ಯಮನಂತಿಮಲಭ್ಯಮನಂತಿಕಂಕ್ಷಿತ ಶಾರಂಶಂಚರಣಯೋಪಕಾಯಂಶಂಚರಣಯೋಪಕಾಯುಷ್ಟೇಚತ್ರಕಿಮಲಭ್ಯಮನಂತಿಮಲಭ್
unobtainable, anante, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Ajay, the original source of everything, the cause of all causes, Kim, what need, Tai, with them, Guna Vyati Karat, due to the actions of the modes of material nature, Iha, in this world, Ye, which, Swasidha, automatically achieved, Dharma Adayaha, the three principles of material advancement, namely religion, economic development, and sense gratification. Kim, what need? Agunena, with liberation into the Supreme, Cha, and Kangchitena, desired. Saram, essence. Chusham, relishing. Chavaranayo, of the two lotus feet of the Lord. Upagaitam, who glorify the qualities of the Lord, Naha, of us. Nothing is unobtainable for devotees who have satisfied the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the cause of all causes, the original source of everything. The Lord is the reservoir of unlimited spiritual qualities. Why is that making noise? The Lord is the reservoir of unlimited spiritual qualities. For devotees, therefore, who are transcendental to the modes of material nature, what is the use of following the principles of religion and ec economic development, sense gratification and liberation, which are all automatically obtainable under the influence of the modes of nature? We devotees always glorify the lotus feet of the Lord and therefore we need not ask for anything in terms of dharma, karma, artha and moksha. Purport. In an advanced civilization, people are eager to be religious, to be economically well situated, 
to satisfy their senses to the fullest extent and at last to attain liberation. However, these are not to be magnified as desirable. Indeed, for a devotee, these are all very easily available. Bhuva Mangala Thakur said, Mukti Svayam Mukuli Tanjali Sevatesman Dharmata Kama Gataya Samaya Patikshaha. Liberation always stands at the door of a devotee ready to carry out his orders. Material advancement in religion, economic development, sense gratification and liberation simply wait to serve a devotee at the first opportunity. A devotee is already in a transcendental position. He does not need further qualifications to be liberated. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 14, text 26, Sagunan Samatityaitan Brahma Bhuyaya Kalpate. A devotee is transcendental to the actions and reactions of the three modes of material nature because. He is situated on the Brahman platform. Prahlad Maharaj said, Agunena cha kankshitena. If one is engaged in the transcendental loving service of the lotus feet of the Lord, he does not need anything in terms of dharma, atta, karma or moksha. In Srimad Bhagavatam, therefore, in the beginning of the transcendental literature, it is said, dharma, prajita, kaitavotra. Dharma, atta, karma and moksha are kaitava, false and unnecessary. Nimatsaranam persons who are completely transcendental to the material activities of separateness, who make no distinction between mine and yours, but who simply engage in the devotional service of the Lord, are actually fit to accept Bhagavata Dharma. Dharman Bhagavatam i ha. Okay. <clears throat> because they are uh, near Matsara, not jealous of anyone. They want to make others devotees, even their enemies. In this regard, Srila Madhvacharya remarks, Kankjate Mokshagam api Sukam 
na kankshato yata. Devotees are not desirous of any material happiness, including the happiness derived from liberation. This is called anyabilashitashanyam, jnana karmajanavritam. Kamis desire material happiness and jnanis desire liberation. But a devotee does not desire anything. He is simply satisfied by rendering transcendental loving service at the lotus feet of the Lord and glorifying him everywhere by preaching which is his life and soul. Mm, okay. So. Om Agyana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shavakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmaye Shri Guruve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Vishnam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Svayam Rupakadamahiyam Tadati Svapadantikam Mukam karoti vachalam Pangum langayate girim Yad kripa tamaham bande Sri gurum dinatarinam So the question is asked here three times. Kim, Kim, what? What? What is the need for the devotees to uh, ask for material benefits, which are, which are automatically supplied by the material energy in any case. But devotees, here, uh, well, I, the first question is, what is not obtainable for the devotees who have satisfied the Supreme? Well, He is the cause of all causes, adye, eh? alabhyam, alabhyam, kim alabhyam. What is unobtainable for those tushtecha who have satisfied the Supreme? Eh? That's the first, the first line of the verse and the first line of the translation. Nothing is unobtainable for devotees who have satisfied the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the cause of all causes. Ananta Adye, unlimited and the beginning of everything. Govinda Madhi Purusham, Tamaham Bajami. 
The Lord is the reservoir of unlimited spiritual qualities. For devotees, therefore, who are transcendental to the modes of material nature, what is the use of following the principles of religion, economic development, sense gratification and liberation? Interesting here. It, um, in the word for word, it's translated dharma adaya that which begins with dharma and and the the word for word translation says the three principles of material advancement namely religion economic development and sense gratification but in the translation it's mentioned the principles of religion economic development sense gratification and liberation And, and in, in the translation, it's mentioned, these are all automatically obtainable under the influence of the modes of nature. But Prahlad Maharaj is explaining to his friends that the devotees don't need to pursue dharma, arta, karma and moksha because these things are automatically supplied. A devotee is not interested in acquiring these things because they come automatically to one who's surrendered to serving the Lord. And so, the final sentence, we devotees always glorify the lotus feet of the Lord. And so therefore we need not ask for anything. Especially in terms of dharma, karma, arta and moksha. And, and of course this is, this is a this is a fairly traditional understanding or concept of, of a um, transcendentalist. When I was 16, I read a book called uh, Siddhartha written by um, a German author called Hermann Hesse, who was a, a very popular author amongst the, the uh, counterculture, I guess, community of the 60s and the 70s. And it's the story of the, of the um, enlightenment of the Buddha, right? And um, that book had quite an effect on me because it talks about reincarnation and karma. Huh? And um, 
uh, it was at that time that I, I had in my mind that I wanted to be a yogi. Right? I want to be a yogi because uh, I didn't really know what it... My idea of a yogi was, you know, go, go and live in the Himalayas in a, in a cave and just withdraw from the world. Right? This traditional idea of a, of a yogi. In fact, uh, and, and it's very interesting, on Sunday it was Bhakti uh, Vinod's disappearance, right? And I was at the farm. Um, Keshava's uh, Anatolia in Europe. We saw pictures of Keshava enjoying the sunshine in Rome. <laughs> Big smile on his face. <laughs> We're in Melbourne, you know. Although really this is not cold, by the way. This is not really cold. Um, so, uh, um, we read from the glimpse uh, into the life of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, which is the, in the introduction of the songbook, right? In the beginning of the songbook, songs of the Vaishnavacharyas. Um, which is which is, uh, it's a significant occasion for me because it's the first time that I went to the temple in Adelaide and um, had a program with the devotees, kirtan and a reading and prasadam, and um, it was a, it was a big it was a, an eye opener for me because my conception of a yogi. And it's interesting, on, on, on Sunday at the farm, after we, we, we were, I read the story of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's life um, and um, asked for questions, but nice crowd of people. And of course, when I asked for questions, what happened? Can you imagine what happened? What happened? I asked for questions. Comments or questions? What happened? No questions. Huh? No questions? Nothing. Yes, of course. <laughs> There's a, new, a lot of new people. So I had to, had to push a little bit. bit of a <clears throat> and um, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're ever giving a class, in a Hare Krishna temple, or anywhere for that matter, and you ask for questions, and nobody speaks, what do you do? What's the, how do you respond? Huh? What do you do? Anybody got an idea what, you, what do you do? Huh? Yeah, eventually you can do that, yep. But just be quiet, sit quiet, wait. Because sometimes people are just absorbing what you, Right? So I encourage them. Okay, reflect. Right? Bit of a bit of uh, interactive learning, <laughs> experiential learning. Ask the devotees. Reflect. So I ask them. Reflect on the life of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Think. Just let what you heard settle. Right? And then how? What's your response to that? How do you feel about that? How do you feel? 
how do you feel? So we got some, started to get some, you know, got some action, <laughs> got some action going. <laughs> and one gentleman, Indian gentleman, said, and an interesting mix of people, very interesting. There were some senior citizens from the local area the first time to the temple. And uh, I, I think they enjoyed them. And Money Griever cooked a really nice feast. Um, so um, one gentleman asked the question, in the Bhagavad Gita, the traditional... I, the the, the tr traditional conception of a yogi is one who withdraws from everything, right? Which was my idea, having read the book about uh, Siddhartha and how how he was a, a prince or a king, right? But he wanted to withdraw because he 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 saw the he he was protected within his palace by his family. Right? But then when he went out into the world, he saw all the suffering. Because as a king, he was pampered pretty much. Privileged, right? He was privileged. But then when he went out into the kingdom and he saw the suffering of the citizens, then he became disillusioned with the purpose of life, or, or shall we say he became aware of the harsh realities of existence. Huh? Even if you're a king, you may, li may be living very comfortably, still uh, you have to undergo the sufferings of material existence. Jamma mrityu jaraviyadi dukkha dosha anudashanam this is a, the, uh, the, the vision of a devotee or a transcendentalist is that there is always suffering in the material world. Even if you're very elevated or, or uh, even if you're very wealthy, still there is suffering. Privileged, there's suffering. So um, he wanted to renounce everything, came to the point of renunciation. Right? And so the traditional concept of renunciation is withdraw from the world. Right? So he said, how, how do we reconcile that with a personality like Bhaktivinoda Thakur? Right? Um, um, uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is, a, is an anomaly uh, in one sense, in one sense, a, a, an apparently worldly man, a householder. How many children did Bhaktivinoda Thakur have? Ten. Ten. Huh? Like he's, he's got ten children and yet he's such an elevated personality. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur is a bit of a shock, was a, was, a, was a surprise to me because he was an obviously influential, powerful man. He, he, 
and some of the, the, the feats of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he introduced English into the curriculum of the, of the primary schools, of the schooling system in the state of Orissa, for example. Right, so, so, you know, if you're going to influence the education of a whole state in India, right, you know how hard it is to do anything in India, right? Practically speaking, right? Uh, yet he was able to influence the whole state to learn English. Right? Powerful personality. And, and somebody had vision too. Right? We know this because Bhaktivinoda Thakur was the first person, effectively, who was printing books. Right? This is where Bhaktivinoda Thakur is like the, the, the seed, if you like, of the, of the modern Hare Krishna movement's preaching. Right? And a bit of a contrast, a bit of a contrast when you think about Bhaktivinoda Thakur was friends with Gorkishaw Das Babaji, right? So we've got Gorkishaw Das Babaji who's the epitome of, of, you know, renunciation. And then we've got Bhaktivinoda Thakur who's al almost the, 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 the uh, dichotomy of the, the opposite, almost. But of course, this means we have to refine our understanding of renunciation. What does renunciation actually mean? And, and, and I was just looking, I bumped into it this morning, a quotation by Adi Purush Prabhu, uh, who teaches at the VAHE. And, and, and he was pointing out the importance of the Isupanishad. And how the Isapanishad teaches us Ishavasyam idam sarvam, that everything is owned and controlled by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that a devotee understands, and, and this is the mood of renunciation, a devotee understands everything belongs to Krishna. Right? And with that understanding can use anything also in Krishna's service. That's the proper, like Prabhupada says, you know, you can walk past the bank. You can walk past the bank and say, I renounce everything in the bank. Right? Well, what's the meaning of that? You don't own it anyway. Right? But a devotee's mood is like the teller. The teller in the bank understands and he's counting so much money every day, in and out. But he understands the money belongs to the bank. Or do he understands everything belongs to Krishna. And so therefore can use it or not use it in Krishna's service. Huh? And of course it is, there is that very, very, very traditional uh, uh, um, role or um, uh, um, not, 
roles, not perhaps quite the right word. Um, for the, for the um, devotees, we have our, the epitome, if you like, of renunciation in the uh, six Goswamis, especially Rupa Goswami, uh, Sanatan Goswami, um, Jiva Goswami, Raghunath, Das, right? Goswami, extraordinarily renounced personalities. Rupa Goswami would, you know, Prabhupada says the Goswamis would sleep one and a half, two hours a day. And some days wouldn't eat, right? Because of their deep connection to the spiritual realm, their, their um, energy came from the spiritual platform, not from the material platform, right? Deep, very renounced because of that deep absorption. Right. So we have, we have the renunciates who do withdraw and move away from the material realm, but again, not averse to using the facilities of the material world. Right? Uh, very renounced Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, it's described they lived under a, a different tree every night. Can you imagine that? You know, their home was Vrindavan. And so they were comfortable in their home. We're only comfortable in our home if it's got a roof, you know, over our heads. And a door that we can lock. <laughs> and a car, at least a place where we can park our car. <laughs> That's our home. Uh, they were comfortable in the home of Vrindavan. Like, like, you know, when the, when the uh, white settlers, when the, when the uh, European settlers came to Australia, they saw the Aboriginal people roaming around, they thought, oh, just a bunch of nomads, right? But as we, as we understand more of the culture, their home was much, much bigger. They lived in a bigger space, right? Like the, we're, we're situated in the Bunurong. Well, this is the Bunurong country, right? Which is from this side of the Yarra all the way down to Wilson's Promontory, right? So this, this is a broad area in which the Bunurong people lived, right? But they knew all of this country, like, you know, you know the cracks in the, in, in the pavement in your backyard, right? Assuming that you do some gardening or whatever. Uh, the Tinchripper is always, for, you know, some of the first things she does in the morning is go out into the backyard and sweep, sweep, sweep the backyard and tidy it all up. Everything's got to be in its right place. So Tinchripper knows all the cracks in the pavement in the backyard. So she's familiar with her home. Right? So Aboriginal people were familiar with their home, even though it was a big space. So similarly also the Goswamis, 
very renounced. They're just happy to live in. And of course, that was Lord Chaitanya's instructions to one of the instructions to Rupa Goswami, especially, and to Sanatan Goswami and others, Bhugarbha Goswami, Lokanath Goswami, was to uncover the the Lila Stan, the pastimes of Krishna in Vrindavan. This was this was this was their service, one of their services, interestingly, right? So that, and, and why? So that we could go to Vrindavan and experience the spiritual world in the material world, right? Experience the spiritual world in the material world. And that's effectively what the what what this mood of uh, Prahlad Maharaj is encouraging in his friends, this mood of devotion. Right? This mood of devotion. That is, let me serve Krishna. And then because Krishna is my friend, or, or, or well, that's quite advanced. Because Krishna is my master, you know, from the point of view of Dasyam, which is more or less the beginning of devotional service, um, if I serve Krishna, then Krishna will look after me. This is, this is what. When, when I started coming to the temple, this is what the devotees told me. If you surrender to Krishna, Krishna will look after you. Which can be a bit of a challenge because sometimes Krishna takes everything away. Huh? So Prabhupada says, you've only got two hands. Krishna's got ten. Right? You know, Actually, Krishna only has two hands too, but depending on the form that he manifests, he can have many more than ten, right? So Prabhupada, you said, what can you hang on to with your two hands and Krishna, when Krishna can take away with his ten, right? And we all know that. Well, we may or may not, but we should be prepared. <laughs> we should be prepared for the occasion when Krishna will take everything away from us. Uh, that's considered to be his greatest favour. Tatenu kampam susamikshamano. So, um, uh, but conversely, Prabhupada said, with your two hands, what can you hold if Krishna, if Krishna gives with his ten? Right? So Krishna can take away, but he also can give. Right? And he does for the devotees. We see in Prabhupada's life how everything was taken away. Right? And even how distressed Prabhupada was in that situation. Well, he tells a story about 
the dream that he had of Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvati Thakur beckoning him to come and take sadhyas. Uh, and Prabhupada says he was horrified by the idea. Huh? Interesting. To, uh, one thing that Srila Prabhupada does is, and the Bhagavatam does is, and, and especially the Chaitanya Charitamrita, enables us to see into the heart of a devotee. Huh? And we see that with Bhaktivinoda Thakur, we see that here with Prahlad Maharaj, he's saying this, this point, you know, what does a devotee need? Nothing is un unobtainable for a devotee. Krishna will provide everything for his devotee. So a devotee doesn't have to pray to the Lord, give me this, give me that, give me the other thing. It doesn't have to. Krishna, and Prabhupada mentions this, Krishna already knows what our desires are and he also knows what we need. Right? So, um, it's very interesting, you know, we have this, the epitome of renunciation in the, in the personality, in the personalities of the Goswamis of Vrindavan, right? What is it? Chaktva Turna Masesha Mandala Pati. Chaktva Turna Masesha Mandala Pati. Tucham, is it? Uh, the, 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 the Goswamis gave up aristocracy as insignificant. Because they, and, and the context is, is very interesting because Rupa and Sanatana Goswami were super influential, super powerful um, people at a very young age. At, at a very young age. In their 20s, they were more or less like the, the, the premier and the treasurer of our state government. That's, it's synonymous with that position that they held in their service to the Nawab, right? So very powerful. But what did they do? They just gave it up as insignificant. Tucha, is it? Tucha means insignificant. Of course, the Nawab wasn't very impressed. <laughs> he was... So not impressed that he put Sanatan in Sanatan Goswami into jail, right? Of course, why were Sanatan Go, uh, Goswami was protesting because uh, the Nawab was off to have to fight with the king of Orissa, right? Who was, you know, Lord Jagannath's servant, right? So Sanat, the, the Goswamis are saying, "Well, hang on." You're going off to fight, you know, the servants of Lord Jagannath. They weren't impressed by that. Huh? <clears throat> We're not happy with serving uh, the Nawab, who's a Muslim. So it was kind of like the Muslims fighting with the Hindus <clears throat> in, a, in a very feudal kind of a setting, feudal system. So... Um, on the one hand, we've got 
But the epitome of renunciation like Snartan Goswami and Rupa Goswami. But then we have another example of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. <clears throat> and Bhaktivinoda Thakur is said to be the seventh Goswami. Right? He's said to be the seventh Goswami. But here he is. The Goswamis of Vrindavan are living under a different tree every night and only wearing, what is it called, Pina Kantasrito, right? They're, they're living extraordinarily simply. We couldn't, we couldn't live like that. <clears throat> and shouldn't imitate them either, for that matter. Um, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur is almost the uh, opposite in that he's a magistrate engaged in the service of the British, the British governors, and the top administrators used to compete to get Bhaktivinoda Thakur to come to their districts because he was such an expert manager. Huh? Eleven children. Huh? So, you know, on the external platform, he looks like a worldly man. Looks like a worldly man. And so this is this is the challenge. This is a, this is the this is a this is a contradiction in one sense of the Vaishnavas, because on the one hand we see the very very renounced that tip that traditional kind of understanding of who's a yogi. Oh, he goes and lives in a cave, or, or he lives under a different tree every night, and and he only wears a, a kopin, right? Uh, this is this is the emblem of renunciation. When people come, they go away, because right? they're so deeply absorbed in their meditation on Krishna's pastimes. Right? They're so deeply absorbed in uh, well chanting Hare Krishna. Right? Krishna Kirtanagana Natanaparo. But chanting Hare Krishna and dancing. Right? So Sankirtan. These are the, act the activities of the Goswami. Nana Shastra Vichara Naika Nipano. Uh, expert Nipano means expert in studying the Shastra. Uh, this is, this is, these are the Goswamis. And, and these are their activities. Right? These, these things we can follow. And of course we see that also in Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Bhaktivinoda Thakur's life was one of deep uh, study and introspection. But the mood of renunciation is different where uh, and this is, this is the challenge of the Vaishnavas because people think um, an advanced transcendentalist, one who retires from the world, right? But here's all of the Hare Krishnas and they've all got jobs. Right? 
they're all buying houses in Albert Park. <laughs> right? Or living in Albert Park at least. Huh? So what is this renunciation? These people aren't renounced. Huh? Oh, well, that's going to make it difficult for us to get out. <laughs> Victor, there's a job for you. <laughs> Come in. Um, don't wreck the joint, though. <laughs> so, so uh, interesting that Adi Purush was making the point that the the um, Isapanishad is an interesting um, part of the Upanishads and the Upanishadic tradition in that it doesn't encourage withdrawal but it encourages engagement right and so there's two sides of this renunciation where the devotee engages he understands everything is owned and controlled by the Lord but also in that verse it mentions but each person has a portion of that uh, realm of the Lord in the material world is it, set aside as a quota for themselves. Right? Even, the, even the sannyasi has his uh, possessions, albeit... Uh, um, few, very few, and, you know, is detached and, uh, and as a result of their absorption, deeply detached from the material realm, which is very interesting because, that, you know, that's the mood of, this, of the sannyasis in, 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 uh, in the Gaudiya tradition, in the Chaitanya uh, Vaishnava tradition. And Lord Chaitanya is, is the epitome of that renunciation, actually. Right? But then there's this, this mood of renunciation where one can accept everything. So, you know, there's the story of, uh, you know, Prabhupada being told of the picture of the, of the Mayavadi who, you know, when he's given money, he just rejects it. Just pushes it away. And, got, and Prabhupada said, well, you can take a picture of me, you know, give me all the money. Huh? Give me the money. Now, is, does that mean that Prabhupada's a greedy man? Or that a devotee is a greedy man for money? No. Because he understands. This, what is it? Uh, this is for Krishna, but not for me. So this is that, and, and, and that's the, this, this anyabhilashita shunyam. You know, no desire for liberation, no desire for material progress or material advancement. 
Unless it can be used in Krishna's service, then I'll accept it. That's, that's the idea. That's how the, the renunciation of Bhaktivinoda Thakur can be understood. Why is he accepted as a seventh Goswami? Is because he translated so much literature. Right? He, and, and, and we see he's, uh, he's accepted as a, as a renunciate. <clears throat> you know, who are he, if you look at his associates, you see that he was friendly with some of the most renounced. Gorkishaw does Babaji, right? Very renounced. After he left his, uh, you know, left his household ashram. Very renounced. Even Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvritaka, his son, right? extremely renounced. So, um, you know, this mood of, and, and it's, it's exemplified by this dependence on, on Krishna, the absorption in devotional service. Whether one is, uh, what is it? And, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur sings this song, Grihe Thakur Bane Thakur. Right? Grihe Thakur means what? Grihe Thakur. House, householder. <laughs> right? A Grihasta Thakur. Right? Or Vane Thakur. The forest taco. <laughs> right? Whether you're a grihe taco or a vade taco, sada bolo hari taco, right? You should always chant. <laughs> you should always chant Hare Krishna. Right? And of course, that's, you know, th th these are the qualifications of the Goswamis, right? Also, Krishna kirtana, sankhya puravakanamaganatipi. Always chanting the holy name, either in Sankirtan, and that's at the beginning. And and then we see, you know, we see the the activities. What are the activities of the Goswamis? Interestingly, what are the activities of the Goswamis? Chanting Hare Krishna and dancing loudly, loudly chanting and dancing. Right. What does that mean? What is that loudly? What is that loud chanting and dancing called? Does anybody know? Starts with an S. Sankirtan. Yes, Sankirtan. Uh, what is it? Krishnavanam Twisha Krishnam. Sango Sangastra Parshadam Yagyai Sankitan Prayer Yajantihi Sumedasaha. Bhagavatam says, Those who are intelligent, Sumeda, fine intelligence, will follow Lord Chaitanya. And how will they follow Lord Chaitanya? If, we, if we're followers of Lord Chaitanya, what will we do? 
It starts with an S. <laughs> Sankirtan. Yeah. Sankirtan. That's his, that's his jagya. That's the jagya for the age, is Sankirtan. So what do we see? That the six Goswamis. We shouldn't be surprised that the, the most intimate followers of Lord Chaitanya, what are they doing? What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Starts with an S. <laughs> Sankirtan. My wife says to me, don't say that to me. What do you reckon? <laughs> Sankirtan, yes, and Nana Shastra Vichara Naika Nipano Saddharma Samstapako. Sankirtan and not just some sentimental dancing. Huh? Like the bowels, the bowels and the owls. Huh? Um, but with purpose. And purpose comes from understanding the Shastra. Huh? But look at the qualifications. Look at the. Uh, the, the, the Goswamis are described as being Nirmatsaro, right? Not envious of anyone. Because they understand everything belongs to Krishna. Everybody gets their quota according to Krishna's direction. You're a wealthy man, you're a poor man, you're um, in between. It's all being orchestrated and controlled by Krishna. Right? So they saw everybody equally, they treated everybody with equanimity. Is one of the reasons why people like to come to the Hare Krishna temple is because they get treated equally. Right? We don't discriminate. Come and take prasadam. Right? Everybody gets prasadam. So that, and Prabhupada says this is actually the beginning of pure devotion is to see everybody equally, to see on the spiritual platform. Right? Not Indian, not Chinese, not Australian, but spiritual. Everybody is spiritual by nature. Right? That's, that's the culture that we encourage, right? And if you, if you exhibit that culture and interact with people, exchange with people on the basis of, this, of the spiritual identity, then um, people respond to that very favourably because you're, you're actually being friendly, huh? Being a true friend. Instead of thinking, oh, you're, he's a bit ugly, right? Or he's a bit stupid. Or, oh, they're a bit low class. We're all low class, really. If you're born in Kali Yuga, you're not high class. <laughs> right? this, is the, this is the reality. We're all a bit low class. <clears throat> but 
What makes us advanced, actually? What, you know, is it, are we advanced because we're such exalted personalities? Right? And even, even a third-class devotee is liberated, right? Even a third-class, not very learned devotee, if they're following the sadhana process, they're chanting Hare Krishna, they're worshipping the deity, they're, they're studying the scripture, they're honouring prasadam and they're rendering service, that's liberated, right? Even a third-class devotee is liberated. Not very learned, but still more advanced than anybody else. So very elevated. So what makes them, what makes us, you know, from a low class Kali Yuga background, what makes us exalted? Who'd like to say? That's a quality, the practice. I'm talking about the practice. What, what makes us, that's a symptom, that's a symptom. What, what makes us elevated? Huh? Sankirtan. Yes, yeah, why not? Uh, chanting, also, Sankhya Puravakanama, chanting Hare Krishna. Hearing the Bhagavatam, right? This is what makes the third class devotee elevated. Chanting, puja, worship of the deity, and especially, come in. He'll come down. Um, hearing the Bhagavatam. Huh? This is what elevates us, especially here in the Bhagavatam. Because the Bhagavatam is purely about acting on the spiritual platform, huh? which is what Prahlad Maharaj is encouraging his friends. Act on the spiritual platform. And then when, when you chant and when we worship the deity, when we study the scripture, when we hear the Srimad Bhagavatam, then we become elevated. And that's when the symptoms of devotion start coming out, right? So in the Goswamis, Sankirtan brings out the qualities of seeing everybody equally. At least this is what's described by um, Srinivas. Is it? Did he, who wrote the, the Sad Goswami Ashtikam? Or is it Naratam Das? Srinivas. Yeah, Srinivas Acharya, right? And that, that's what happens to us. It's not that we're special. We're not that, well, I speak for myself, definitely not very special personality. But because the, the devotees, because Prabhupada's disciples came and said to me, you should chant Hare Krishna, right? You should go to the temple. You should hear the Srimad Bhagavatam. You should worship the deity because I followed their instructions and engaged in those activities. Then my consciousness was elevated, right? So it's not, you know, that we're actually very advanced. Because stop doing those things and, you know, what does Prabhupada say? Puna Mushika Bhava. 
become a mouse again, right? which we don't want to do, or we shouldn't do. So what elevates us is this, the chanting of Hare Krishna. That's what makes it. And then, then we see, as Prabhu mentions, and as Prabhupada mentions here, as we make progress, then we'll come to that level of renunciation, or at least to that level of seeing, first of all, everybody, see everybody equally on the platform of, of um, Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma, right? See everybody from the spiritual platform. That's a start, a big start. That, that seeing everybody with equanimity and with compassion, right? That's why we distribute prasadam. Food for the soul, right? We're not feeding just the belly because that's, that's being done as well, right? <laughs> I noticed some of my friends got quite big bellies. <laughs> That's okay, that's fine. But really, it's food for the soul. That's really what we're giving. Huh? That's why Sukadev is in the kitchen on a, cooking a Sunday feast, the devotees are cooking, and he's on his feet for three, four, five hours on a weekend. Huh? That's sacrifice, isn't it? When you think about it. And what's it for? It's to just, and we just give it freely. Sometimes the devotees complain. They're just taking away the prasadam. Huh? Well, somebody was telling me. The Saturday feast crew, when they do the divide, they divide up all of the buckets, but they keep one bucket back for each prep. Right? And then all of the devotees who do the cooking on the Saturday, they come in with their containers, right? This is a Kanishta Adhikari, right? <laughs> they bring in their canisters <laughs> and they fill it up with prasadam and they take it home. Right? <clears throat> but it's not food for the belly, it's food for the soul. Right? When you're on travel, when you're travelling and you have to get a, a meal somewhere, right? And it's Usually not the, it's always the, it's always the, uh, you know, the worst. Make the best use out of a bad bargain, <laughs> right? You're travelling to India and you're stuck in Singapore and you're hungry like anything. And where do you go to get something to eat? What's, what's airplane flu food like? Have any of you tried airplane food? Yeah, what's it like? Yeah. That ain't Prashad. Huh? Neither is anything else in the Changi airport, by the way. <laughs> but you have to, you know, sometimes you've got to make do with... You. There are austerities that we perform sometimes. Huh? So... Um, this understanding that basically we're not the body this is the beginning of this is the beginning of our our bhakti culture the beginning is understand you're not the body 
and understand that others are not the body. And what does that mean? You're not the body, that means you're a spirit soul. Right? And if we cultivate that mood of understanding our spiritual identity, automatically these other qualities of devotion will come out. They'll naturally come out. So long as we're, you know, cheto, dapranam, marjanam, we're engaged in that cleansing process, which is chanting Hare Krishna and studying the Shastra, worshipping the deity, uh, and performing Sankirtan, actually. This is part of it. You know, our process is not only self-preservation uh, or personal cultivation of Krishna consciousness, although that is important, has to be there, the full development of our bhakti is really only fully revealed if we also engage in activities that are meant to help others also come up. That's considered to be selflessness, right? Even though in one sense it's selfish because we engage in those activities to enhance our own advancement in Krishna consciousness. Very, it's, it's very interesting. And it's, and it's also very interesting because it's not, that, it's not that mood of renunciation where you go to the forest and hide away, avoiding material association. But rather... It's the means by which we can actually make progress in spiritual advancement and remain detached, but still interactive with the comings and goings of, of the world that we live in. So it's very practical. And, 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 and why the Hare Krishna movement is so challenging, because this notion, especially amongst the broader community is if you're, spirit, if you're spiritually advanced you retire from the world right well we say no not necessarily in fact that can be detrimental for somebody who's not as advanced as the Goswamis or as somebody like Bhaktivinoda Thakur who eventually did go into Samadhi right, and was able to detach himself because you're so advanced but generally for us, uh, a, a symptom of advancement is we get together. This is what Sankirtan is all about. Sangha. Sangha Kirtan, right? We do it congregationally. We do it together. But by staying together, practicing, you know, bhakti together, that's how we remain strong. If, we, if you and I were to go off to... Um, um, where? Where would you go? Where would you go? <laughs> right? Who, who went to the retreat near Bendigo? Right? That's the kind of forest we could go to, but it's freezing cold for a start. Right? Who's going to cook Prashadam <laughs> for us? So, you know, we're not going to go off and pursue our spiritual practices by ourselves. We actually can only do it together. But that's the potency. The potency of it, like Prabhupada gives the example, one little stick, easily broken. Many little sticks together following 
the recommendations of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the recommendations of the Goswamis. Ultimately, the Sangatha movement, as instructed by Lord Chaitanya, then we make progress. We actually start to see everything from the spiritual platform. We start to act on the spiritual platform. This, the qualities of seeing everybody equal come out. And then we're inspired to engage in activities for the benefit of everybody. This is the, and so that's the Sankitan. Right? It's good for us, but it's also good for everybody else as well. And best done in association, not as a renunciate. And you, you know, Prabhupada and Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvati Thakur, even Bhakti Vinod Thakur, and even Krishna warns us, you know, better, Prabhupada says, better to be a sincere sweeper in the street rather than a charlatan meditator. Huh? Huh? Better to be a sincere sweeper in the street than a charlatan meditator. So just, you know, meditating for show and detaching oneself, but not really being detached within the heart. Whereas our, our process, even if we do it together, automatically these symptoms of detachment come up. You can't, they're irresistible, right? They come up naturally. which can be scary for our family members. Right? We start showing signs of renunciation and they go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you become a Hare Krishna. Oh, no. Huh? <coughs> or like my mum, when I rang her up and I said, mum, I'm living in the Hare Krishna temple. And mum said, oh, no. You sound like a parrot already. Right? So mum was thinking I was brainwashed and, you know, I said, mum, I haven't said anything yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> Parrot. So these, you know, these emotions will actually come naturally. Like, like, like uh, um, Pallad Maharaj is saying, you know, what is not obtainable for a devotee? Right? And so we're engaged very often in what might ordinarily be called material pursuits. We have to look after our families. We have to pay the bills. We've got to do the washing and the ironing and sweep the floors. Right? We've got to and that's just material activity, isn't it? No, it's not when it's connected to Krishna, right? Which is the purpose of the deity. You know, when we worship the deity in the morning, we do our puja, then for the rest of the day, we're sweeping the floor. I'm doing it for Krishna. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for the, you know, for, the, for my children who are devotees. My husband, who's a devotee. My wife, who's a devotee. So even... And so, and we see that in, in the activities of somebody like Bhaktivinoda Thakur or even Pallad Maharaj, who's acting as a devotee but performing the, the same activities as everybody else but also preaching, right? 
Good. Well, Prahlad, and Prabhupada says he, um, very interesting. Uh, Kami's desire material happiness. Uh, and Gyanis desire liberation. But a devotee does not desire anything. He is simply satisfied by rendering transcendental loving service at the lotus feet of the Lord. And, and, and here, this is the bit about Sankatan, and glorifying him everywhere by preaching. Huh? By preaching. And then Prabhupada says, which is his life and soul. So very interesting that we are engaged in the practices of sadhana bhakti. And um, for, for many of us as householders, that means some pretty mundane or, you know, boring stuff, right? How, how many of us here get a lot of enthusiasm out of cleaning the kitchen floor? Raise your hands. Who gets, who becomes ecstatic over cleaning the kitchen floor? Nobody's putting their hand up. No, it's boring, right? But we do it. We've done our puja, we keep the place clean. And because we've done the puja, we're thinking of our gornitai or our uh, of Srila Prabhupada. Right? Or we're thinking of the, the acharyas. Or we're thinking of the Goswamis. Right? And so we're happy to do all of those things. And to, you know, to really make that Satisfying, we do some book distribution, we do some bhakti vriksha preaching, we do some prasadam distribution, we, do, uh, we perform the activities of bhakti, not only for our own benefit, we go out and do it for the benefit of others. Because that's the Sankatar movement. And, and if we're not doing some Sankirtan in its various forms, we're not, we actually haven't joined Lord Chaitanya's movement yet. And they think about that. But there's benefit in doing that and satisfaction, and as Prabhupada says here, it's his life and soul. So for Prabhupada, that's pretty obvious. Right? Prabhupada's talking about himself. But, of course, he's setting an example for us. And, and, and of course, you know, if we're following these principles and applying them in our daily lives, we're also setting the example, which is important also. Okay, so I'm going to finish here. Um, it's going to have to be a quick comment or question, if there are any. One advances into spiritual realm uh, he start moving away from the material realm so yes. yeah does it mean that person start becoming careless or negligent of his material duties um, anybody like to answer that question with one word no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
That's very, that's a very interesting, because that's what happens, right? You tell your family, oh, I'm becoming, I'm becoming a Hare Krishna. They go, <gasps> that means he's going to give up everything. Yeah. Or maybe he'll give away everything, right? He'll give away the family jewels. <laughs> There's a big worry about, you know, hanging on to your wealth. Um, and yeah, look, in, part, in, in some part, yes, it may be true in that a devotee gives up some time and money for preaching, right? Yes. But give everything up, usually if there's that, you know, extreme renunciation, it, it's, it's a false renunciation. One has to be very careful about you know, just prematurely giving up things that one should keep, right? That one should, you know, because uh, we've seen it. The devotees would get married. They'd find that married life is a struggle. And they'd go to Prabhupada and say, I want to take sannyas. <laughs> right? Take sannyas. And then later on, oh, I want to get married again. <laughs> oops, oops. Right? So, you know, renunciation needs to come from a very, very deep platform of realisation, not from a just imitation. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that doesn't mean that there will be some symptoms of slackening of one's attachment to the material world. That's natural. Right? And so therefore a devotee will give some of their time just for preaching. Householders will give up some time, right? But that doesn't mean they neglect their wife and children. Is that right? Yeah. You're married? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Okay, so your children? Yeah, I've got yeah. some. Are you thinking of leaving home? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that may not be coming from a deep platform of <laughs> renunciation, right? Yeah. That's coming from a deep platform of frustration. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> you tell your kids what to do, and they say, shove off, Dev. <laughs> right? Do it yourself. Yes. Uh, my, I know my father was extremely frustrated with me. <laughs> he would tell me, mow the lawn. Get a, Three things. Mow the lawn, wash the car, get a haircut. <laughs> right? And Dad would go away. He was a school inspector, so he would travel to in the north of South Australia. Huge distance he would travel. So he'd be away for a week or two, and he'd come back. Lawn hasn't been mowed, car hasn't been washed, and I didn't get a haircut. <laughs> Yeah. So being a parent can be very frustrating. Mm. Uh, hands up those who have that experience. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yes, it's natural for us to be somewhat disappointed by, what is it, this is the love, what is it, society, friends, and what does Prabhupada talk about? Society, friendship, and love, isn't it? 
it's easy to become frustrated by those things. Yeah. But what we discovered, what we discover in the society of devotees, is a society where um, there's a lot of love and affection and appreciation from the spiritual platform. Just like last night, it was Amit's boy's third birthday. What's, it, what's Amit's boy's name? Vasudev. He's called Vasudev too? Yeah. Sudhir Krishna's boy's called Vasudev, right? Okay, all right. So dear Krishna's boy Vasudev is quite a character actually. Right? <laughs> he kind of gets around. I, I asked him last night, I said, Vasudev, why are you so handsome? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trick for the kids, see what they'll say. Uh, and he said, it's because of these clothes that I'm wearing. Because <laughs> he had his fancy suit on and stuff. So, so quite humble, right? Quite humble. He didn't... He wasn't going to be tricked by my uh, uh, words. But um, it was really nice. We had a kirtan. Right? We had a kirtan. Our party is a sankirtan party. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we had quite a long kirtan because the prashadam was late. <laughs> right? And then we cut the cake, you know, which is... All the kids crowd around the table, and if you light a candle, then everybody other than the kid whose birthday it is blows out. <laughs> and then, you know, they get daubed with icing and whatever. And then we have prashadam. And it was just nice to see all the devotees sitting around and just, just having kirtan and... Um, taking prasadam together and just socialising. It's, it's friends, right? And um, very satisfying. Very satisfying. It's simple, but it's satisfying. Sankirtan. We didn't have much philosophy. Not much philosophy last night. We were putting it into action <laughs> by showing affection. Huh? And then taking prasadam. And I, I, when I left, I was just looking at all the devotees. And, and it was very, it was interesting actually. As soon as prashadam was served, there was no prompting of anybody or telling anybody what to do. They all, all the kids all sat down, every, all the parents had sat down, everybody was taking prashadam and just, I, they were all happy. Huh? Just all happy. And that's, uh, that's our bhakti culture, actually. That's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's actually very attractive. It, it's, it's very satisfying and very attractive. And what we've got to offer, what, what we're offering others, is, and, and that's why we as a, as a group need to go out more. You know, just the, the way the devotees made devotees in the 70s was very simple. There was book distribution, but in good part it was just Harinam, just out on the street, right? Out on the street chanting Hare Krishna, and that's Sankirtan. It's our preaching. Our preaching is not hard, right? How hard is it to chant Hare Krishna? 
Anybody here have a problem chanting Hare Krishna? No. You got a problem? Is it a question or a comment? Yeah, I think both. Yeah, so <laughs> I know the difference between um, the two. Now, uh, thank you for this nice presentation, uh, nice uh, class. The devotees, they are saying the Shumedha. Uh, so the, the most uh, cleverest or most clever person or most, uh, how can I say, has qualified to be the uh, devotee of, or devotion actually. So, the meaning of devotee is very, very deep. Mm. To become a devotee, you need a lot of austerities, is right. And as you are saying that devotee has nothing impossible. But no, once you unattainable. are... Unattainable, yeah. Yeah, uh, unattainable. Yeah. And, and you are saying that once you become a devotee, then everything will be uh, aligned towards Krishna. And Krishna energy will be there and all the material energy uh, aligned to the spiritual energy. But becoming a devotee and, and developing the sweetness of the Sankirtan, I think that is the hardest part. Yes. Am I right? And, and it's not just shaving your head and wearing a dhoti and putting on a kanti. You know, it's, it's cultivating the heart of a devotee. That's, that's what has to happen. But of course, it begins with externals, apparent externals. Huh? Um, um, and, and, you know, on the external platform, it's a hand in a bead bag. Huh? And, and it's Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama Hari Hari, right? which is an external in one sense. Right? But those externals deeply impact the internal. Why, you know, and why, <clears throat> you know, at the end of the Tulsi Puja, we, we recite the ten offences because there's that, those external practices are actually the door into the internal world. Right? And, and, uh, so, it's, there are externals that we embrace, but there's, that leads us to, so, so you know, um, we're, we're offering incense, say for example, to Radhabalabha or whatever, or to the spiritual master. And so that's the external part, but what's the internal part? Right, when you're doing an offering and you um, make a a, um, a sabji and some puris and some rice and dal, that's the external. But then when you bring and you put it on a plate, plate, right, and bring it before the Lord and offer it, right, what's going on there? What are you doing? What is it? Patram pushpam palam toyam yo me bhaktya prayachati. Right, so it's got to be, it's done with bhakti, right? So what is that? 
When you think about it. What is Sukadev thinking when he's in the kitchen and he's cooking a Sunday feast? What is he thinking? He can advise. He's not thinking, oh, I can hardly wait to, I can hardly wait to eat these cauliflower pakoras. <laughs> or maybe he is, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm sure he's not. Sure he's not, right? So there's the externals, but there's a lot more going on in the heart. That's the, you know, and even in the Bhagavatam, it mentions, you know, the change of heart, which is what we, we're all working on, ideally. So, yeah, good, good. Yes, you're right. It's, it's the, the hard part is giving things up, not only externally, but internally. All right, we should finish here. Otherwise, there won't be any breakfast left. And you may be hungry till lunchtime anyway. Contra Shimad Bhagavatam Kijai Shil Prabhupada Kijai Gora Bhakta Bindi Kijai.